Praise the Lord. This is Brajulus again. We were reading the the letters of Apostle Paul to the Philippians. We are now in chapter 2. And in this episode, this is teaching. So I want you to get your Bible and read along. And as we read, I will stop at some key points and, um, and emphasize some things that Apostle Paul is teaching us. Verse 20, chapter, 2, chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. It's talking to believers now that we should be like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now this is very important. That verse 2 is very important. That is his prayer and his exhortation, not just prayer, exhorting us, believers, to be like-minded. What will make us to be like-minded? If we are seeking the same thing we want to please god that will make us be like-minded if we are looking unto jesus wanting to go in the rapture and we are trying to exhort one another this is how we should live we will be like-minded he said that we, we want is exhorting people to be like-minded having the same love what do we love we love christ we love the word of god being of one accord he say we want to have the same we'll be in one accord not division in the body of christ not confrontation which you have one accord and if somebody is having something that you could make the other person to be grievous just you say that for bearing one another in love that's one of the things that we should remember it's a being of one accord of one mind so there should be unity in the body of christ unity in the household of faith so that's what is exciting that we pray that we be like that and it's exhortation not just praying it is what we should do we should strive to be of one mind in the body of Christ, strive to be of one in one accord and have like-minded. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. That's very important. That many times people do something because they wanted to be seen. They wanted to show off. They wanted everybody to recognize them that they are the one in, in, in control of this. Or they are one, they are the one to be reckoned with. That is vain glory. Self-promotion. He said, Let nothing be done through this vainglory, self-promotion of strife. But in lowliness of mind. Now you see this are exhortation to we believers how to conduct ourselves in the household of faith among believers and among unbelievers in the world generally. Because this is how they will see that we are of a different spirit. How we conduct ourselves in the world, in our businesses, in our place of work, among believers, among non-believers, how we conduct ourselves is how do we know that we are of different spirit and we are followers of Christ. When they see our lifestyle, our behavior, they will know that these people are believers. Christ said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. How? When you have love one for another. Love in the household of faith. And love has to have all these attributes also. Being of one mind, being in one accord. This are, that's love, manifestation of love. That is, I'm not going to be saying only my way. If there's no, if not my way, I'm, I'm not, in no way. I mean, you submit to one another. That's part of love. Humility is part of love. It's an attribute of love. Kindness, gentleness. It's not, not, not do anything through strife or vainglory. It's a lowliness of mind. Verse 3, I'm still on verse 3. See, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That is, we should remember to honor one another. Don't try to exalt yourself above everybody else. That's what he's saying there. 
esteem the other person better than you. That's what he's saying. In verse 4 there, he said, look not every man on his own things. How can you do that? He's trying to say, don't try to exalt yourself or exalt your own thing. Whatever you have that you think is the best, is the best and you are flashing it before everybody to make them jealous. That's what he's saying. Don't look every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of the other. That prefer the other person. Prefer what he has than yours. Preferring one another does not mean that you want to grab what he has. It's not saying you should be, that becomes jealousy. That becomes, it's not saying you envy the person. It's more than saying in honor, in honor preferring the person. Because people will say, well, you, you, you have no problem. That's why you can say this. And they say, no, you have to have to look for something good to say about the other person also, so that he will be happy too. So you'll be, uh, be delighted. That's why he say preferring one another in love. It's another way he has said it. He said, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. Now verse 5 is we are going to compare what how we should behave with how Christ showed it to us. Now, if I have to give an example of saying, how can you show an example of let every man look on the things of the other, look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. You can look for an example and say, look at the story of King David. You might say, well, King David, when he killed Goliath, he looked like he became the hero of the old nation. But he still went, after he did that, he went and still served King Saul. When King Saul was back home, after he said David had killed Saul and Goliath, and the whole nation had been praising David, he went and still served King Saul. He said King Saul, because he was expelled. By that time, he was actually a piano, what you call it, a harp player for King Saul. When the battle against Goliath broke off, and then when the battle was over and they were all praising David who killed Goliath, he went and still served King Saul. That's a way of look not every man on his own things, but on things of the others. So that is one way to in honor preferring one another. He still went and served the king. When the king was having the same spell, he went and took the harp and started playing the harp to suit the king. Because that was what he was employed to do. Uh, let's go on in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2. He said, verse chapter 5, chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Which mind? That's our, how we should set our mind. Our mind says, trying to teach us how we should set our mind right now. Verse 6 says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he was God manifesting in the flesh. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That is, he's not trying to grab that position. I'm God, I'm God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Let me describe that to you. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, came down among us to live among us like, um, like men. You remember he became a human being and look at where he was born. He didn't try to select the king of that time to, to be the son of the king. No. If it's human being, if it's, if it's the source that have all this power, would like to be the heir to a throne, like they be, be, be the son of the herald, or be the son of the high priest of that generation, so that he will be in a, in, a, in a big palace. No. Look at where he was born. He came and became a son of a carpenter that has nothing. And a woman that... Uh, that 
uh, that has nothing. And then they went to Bethlehem, and he was born in Bethlehem, where there was no place because they, are, they were like nobody. Because if you are somebody, you will have you must have you must have a house in Bethlehem when that's where you are born and raised, or that's where you your your grandparents were. But no, there were nobody, and they were looking for a hint to leave because there was a crowd in the city. They couldn't find any any reservation of inn. And the woman was heavily pregnant, ready to give birth. And they have to look for a, a manger where they have the goats and the and the cattle and the, you know what's the manger? That's where they keep all the flock. But it's open, so they sneak in there because this woman needed to have a baby. Every and there's no place where they could where they could go. Just think of me a manger. Woman missing that generation won't know to go and have a baby there because you say ah, that place will be full of germs. You know? That's what people will think. Full of germs, full of all these bacteria, where the goats are pooing, where the sheep are bleating, and all those rash, all of the things. You want that's where I go to have a baby, a newborn baby. That place is not sanitized. You see? That is how we human beings will think of the nobody want to, even in our generation, no poor man will want to go and have a baby in a, in a manger where they keep all the cattle and all the goats. You see now? But the God of heaven, he humbled himself to the point that he has to be, he was born in a manger. Even though angels were rejoicing and praising God, but look at where he was born. That is what Apostle Paul is telling us here, that he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, making the likeness of men. That's verse 7 of Philippians chapter 2. So that you make us to see that we have to humble ourselves also so that God can exalt us. Because God himself, the God of heaven that created all things, he came to the earth and humbled himself this low to be born in this format. And think of that again. When they said Aaron was looking for this boy to kill him, you know, the God of heaven could have just send lightning and thunder to just kill that arrow. No, he didn't do that. He let them take the boy and run away to Egypt. That is because of humility. God was showing us example. Not that he has no power. He could kill arrow without... Uh, and India just killed 185,000 soldiers overnight in one place in when the Assyria came against uh, Judah. So it's a small thing for God to make arrow that wanted to kill them to not to wake up the following day and be dead. No, God just use the human 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 hair human effort to do what he wanted to do that was why he said take the boy and his mother run to egypt until Herod is dead and Herod died maybe many more years before he died when Herod could have could have been killed overnight in the same day you see and they forget about trying to look for any messiah but see god humbling himself and he's trying to teach us, Apostle is trying to teach us this same thing that we should remember to humble ourselves like this. Let this mind be in you. That is, that is the mindset which you also have as believers. Which was also in Christ. Who being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He doesn't try to grab the position and say, I'm God, I should, be, I should do this, I should do this. I should just wipe out the, all these enemies. No. He said, but make himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and not that's not all. Even the death on the cross is humility. Verse 8 talks about that. He said, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That was the worst death. And not only that, it was it was it was it was a number with the criminals that were condemned to die on the cross. 
And that's why Apostle Paul said that that is humbling himself to become obedient unto death. And he said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it again. He said, no man take my life from me. That's what Jesus Christ said before he went to the cross. But he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And he allowed death to take him away. And then, he, for, for a purpose of course, and then he took the keys of hell and there came back by alive by himself. That is the God we are serving that has humbled himself. He said, we should have that same mindset of humility. Without which, we cannot please God. Humility. In everything we do, we must show that humbleness of mind. And verse 9, continuing. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now you can see what Apostle Paul is saying here. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ gave this same exhortation to us while he was preaching about it. He said, He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The way up is down. The way up is down. That is when you humble yourself low, you bend yourself low, you will be exalted high. That is what God is saying here. And that's what Jesus Christ demonstrated to us, for us to see. When he said he became humble, humble himself unto death, even the death of the cross, to, so that his name was now higher than any other name. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So for us to be exalted, we must humble ourselves and become low. Because God dwells with the lowly. He said, I am the high and lofty God that inhabited eternity. But I dwell with the lowly and contrite spirit. So that is what the logical demonstrated for us in Philippians chapter 2 that Apostle Paul is narrating. That God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he is now the Lord of all. Lord of heaven and Lord of the earth. Lord of over even the, both under the earth, in hell, is Lord. The, 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 when they hear his name, they tremble. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How do you walk it out? That is, practice all these things that we are saying. Practice that humility. That he said, This is how we have to set our mind. Let, let us have this same mindset. Mindset of humility, humbleness of mind, like Christ showed to us, that even though he was highly exalted, he was God from heaven, he came like a human being. In the lowest, the lowest level of humanity, born in a manger by people that are penniless, that have nothing, that couldn't even get a, a reservation in an inn. And when they were trying to kill him, he didn't send light not order to strike the error the king down. He said, take the baby and the mother around to Egypt. With humility, humbleness of mind. And Christ also, he said, he, he, he humbled himself unto the death of the cross. The one that called the dead out of the grave. He said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it. He allowed himself to be beaten, to be smitten, to be smacked, to be killed, to be nailed to the cross. It's in his humility. And then he came back and took his power, his, 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 his body again. And it's now Lord. That's why they say, they say, for this purpose, God has highly exalted that name. That at the name of Jesus, every name must bow in heaven. Every name must bow on earth. Every name must bow on earth. 
So the way to be exalted is to humble ourselves very low. That's what Apostle Paul is teaching us here. And then say, walk out your own salvation like that to us with fear and trembling. Let us practice all of these things. That's how you walk out our own salvation with fear and trembling. In verse 13, it said, I'm reading Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For it is God which walketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, remember that Bible verse. When we say walk it out, it simply means yield to God. Because it is God that is going to walk it out in us. But we have to yield to it. It's a cooperation. God is not a, a slave master that will force us to do this. See, God does not drive people. God just gives you a little push so that you can go ahead and do what he wants to do. So, let us remember that God is not going to drive us like the devils drive people, drive them into insanity. That is devil. But God, simply we have to cooperate with him. It's a cooperation, it's an agreement between us and God. So, it's not going to force it on us. It is cooperation, an agreement. So, that's why when you say you work it out, you just cooperate with him. But then God will work it out in you and in me. He says, it is God which will work it in you, both to will, the desire to want to do it, is from Him. And to do of His good pleasure, so to be able to do it also is from Him. So we just have to cooperate with Him and it will be done. And we'll be able to work out our own salvation. Verse 14 says, do all things without murmurings and without disputings. Anything we do, don't murmur. Just do it gladly because we are serving the Lord. Verse 15 says, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lies in the world. Remember, no matter where you are listening to this, no matter what country you are, it is still a crooked and perverse nation because the rulers perhaps are doing corruption or the people in the streets are doing too many evil. But we are to be light among them, shining as light, righteousness of Christ shining to us. So we are to be like that. We should be blameless and harmless, sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of crooked and perverse nation, among whom we are to shine as lights in the world. Christ said that, let your works, let your good works so shine, let your righteousness so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So that is how they will see it when they will keep our righteousness and our light shining. Not participating in what they do. Verse 16 of Philippians chapter 2 verse 16 says, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So it's telling that if they hold firm to the end, he that has converted them, he that has run, walk, and all this work of preaching the gospel, he will be happy that he has not run in vain. When you, all the people that are converted through you, they are like your trophy. When you came before Christ, that these people make it, Thank God, they were like uh, our, our product. So that's why he said he wanted to make sure that he, is not, he has not run in vain. He will rejoice in the day of Christ. Verse 17. And if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you. And even if he be crucified and persecuted and killed by the emperor, he said, I rejoice. He's not afraid of that. As long as they are standing firm, that what he has done is standing. Verse 18. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Verse 19, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. He was going to send Timothy, was the younger minister, to, to, to 
check on check out on them and make sure that they are still standing firm in Christ. They are following the exhortations. Verse 20 says, For I have no man like man who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things that are which are Christ. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently as soon as I shall see how it will go with me. So he has confidence in a little young man, Timothy, that has been with him all the time he was preaching. And he said he's going to send Timothy to them to check out on them and make sure that they are still standing firm in Christ. And he was confident, giving praise that Timothy was one of the young men that are, that are standing for Christ and they mind the things of Christ, not the things of other of their belief of their belief. Verse 25 also says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you a Paphroditus, my brother and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants, for he long after you all, and was full of evidence because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Now you can see that even during that time, some of the believers still fall sick. But they have to pray them through or help make and nurse them to help. So when we see things happen, I don't ever think that in that fourth generation they, they, they have power over all those things. Sometimes they get healed, sometimes they overwork themselves and they run the same problem that everybody that overwork we still run the same problem. But at least they they maintain their health by trusting the Lord and prayer. And even that epaphrodite just mentioned that one of the people that are following him was sick. Verse 26 says, For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. So Epaphroditus seems to be one of the believers that came from Philippi and was following Apostle Paul. So they knew about Epaphroditus. That's why he said, I want to send him to, the, to, the, to his home church so that they will see that he's healthy and well now. He, they have heard that he has been sick. And we, he said, God, he was not sick on, now to death. So when we see things happening now, generation, many people always say we want the, the first church to experience to come back. When the first church started, there was power, miracles were happening. But also some people are still having small faith that they still fall sick, not that they don't fall sick. That's why the miracles were, the power was given to the church to be able to heal the sick, raise the dead. That's what Christ said. And occasionally there will be some people that they pray and pray and pray for and the, the sick room get well. You see? But you see, many of these things, it is by teaching. Sometimes it is by the individual person's faith rather than the supernatural from the minister. Because that's sometimes the misunderstanding that God allow many believers that if you grow in grace if you have faith to be able to resist the devil yourself but many of us are still waiting for the evangelist and prophet to lay out upon us before we can get the healing but see, that is okay not that it's not not that it's not okay the point is god wants us to grow also that's why he said he put those ministries in the church till we all come in the unity of faith and knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man where we also have authority over the devil. It is not just the minister that you have authority over the devil. You have to remember that this authority over the devil is for all believers because we are all in the body of Christ and Christ is the head and Satan is under the feet of Christ. That means under the feet of the church. That means the church is from head to toe. Christ is the head. The toe and the feet is the head of the world church. So any member of the body of Christ have authority over Satan. 
But many members don't know about that. They don't believe that. They are not exercising it. And so Satan is taking advantage of that and attacking believers with sicknesses and diseases. So individually, not just the minister, I'm saying, not just the preachers, not just the pastors, not just the evangelists, not just the prophets or ever apostles, every believer is to be taught how to exercise that authority which is given to every believer because the go and read it in Mark chapter 16. Jesus Christ said, This signs shall follow them that believe. He doesn't say he did not say this signs shall follow the ministers I sent out. No, them that believe that means every believer in my name shall they cast out devils. So, which means you that listen to me, once you have given your life to Christ, you have authority over Satan. You should be able to command in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, come out of that person and he should obey. If you don't doubt, so those are all the parameters. Because in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus Christ said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast to the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. That's the first thing. Don't doubt. But shall believe that what you say shall come to pass. It is you that is commanding. You are commanding that mountain. And that command mountain can be that Satan that is inside that person. That is what you want to come out of that person. You are commanding it. But don't doubt in your heart. Don't doubt your authority over that Satan. Believe what you say shall come to pass. Believe that he must obey. If he doesn't obey in the first minute or something that he's not going to obey, don't begin to change your mind. Believe what you say shall come to pass. He doesn't say it shall come to pass in one week or in one day or in one hour or in one minute. Just believe it shall come to pass and it will obey. So once you begin to have a confident and consistent feeling that it will begin to manifest quickly, you see. It will manifest in me quickly and immediately. But when you when you are tried and the devil is just hanging around wanting to see whether you are going to change your mind, don't change your mind. That's what Jesus Christ said. He said, believe you what you say shall come to pass. So it's the same thing. God wants every believer to have that faith. Every believer. Every one of us should have that same authority. Over you. We have this, we have it, we are just not using it. So that's why we are teaching you. That's why he said the ministry to put in the body of Christ to teach us that. Exercise your faith. Stand firm in the Lord. And don't shake. Now let's read the next verse. He said, I sent him therefore the more carefully that when you see him, you may rejoice and that I may be less of Verse 29 said, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and all such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward him. So Apostle Paul was actually most, more or less giving testimony about this Epaphroditus that he became sick mutually because he was working for Apostle Paul and working, overworking himself. Sometimes maybe there was cold weather and so on and the people are busy doing this they may get sick. And that's really what he was saying. He said he was working, supplying the lack of service toward me. He was working himself now to death, you see. So that is really what he was saying here. But even then, we still have authority over all of those sickness and diseases, that's what I'm trying to exercise and emphasize, that God has given this ministry, this uh, authority to every believer. This signs shall follow them that believe. He also said they shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. It is for every believer to be able to do that. And that is what we must know. And people fall sick here, but when they fall sick, they are waiting for uh, a pastor to come and lay hands upon them. But begin to resist the devil yourself by that word I just quoted in Mark chapter 16 verse 17, 18, and 17 and 18. This sign shall follow them that believe in me. They shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Lay your hand upon yourself and you shall recover also. That is part of the benefits of being a believer. So, but see, when people are not taking advantage of that, they will take advantage of it and make 
afflictions upon believers. And it does, not, it does not have to be like that. Remember that. So when Apostle Paul was saying, this Apollos was sick of today, I'm just trying to explain to you that even in the first church age, believers were running into the same situation that we are running into right now. It's not every believer that are victorious, living over the, over the sickness and disease. They have to be taught and they have to exercise what they have been taught, just like everybody. Just like our own generation, you have to exercise and live victoriously over, over and above all those sickness and diseases by your faith in the Word of God, by exercising your faith and understanding, knowing your right that we are just pointing out in Christ and resisting the devil with that same authority. And the Bible says, Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. He will. And what is the devil? Sickness is the devil, diseases are the devil. All those things that the devil throws against mankind, they are all things you have to resist and he will flee from you. I'll continue this in the next chapter. God bless you.